0: Welcome to today's episode of Strata Originals. As the name implies, we speak with true originals and we take you to the next level. These are leaders who stand out by the lessons and stories they share to inspire us, entertain us and teach us. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also watch the video podcast of these episodes on YouTube at Strata Originals. Fasten your seatbelts, ensure your tray is in the upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Your in-flight host, Alan McLaren.
1: Welcome to Strata Originals. Uh, The purpose of this podcast is really simple. It's to showcase stories of originals, kind of leaders that we have a lot to learn from. And today, we have Dave Maney. He's one of those folks we're going to learn a lot from today. Allow me to introduce him. Uh, Dave is the founder of an organization called The Expert Press. It's a venture-backed expert news data software and services company. That's going to need explanation, so we'll, go, we'll get to that. Uh, but they actually what they help is they help newsrooms deputize subject matter experts to contribute data-driven news commentary and analysis, which is really interesting, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But his background, he's also a national economics and technology writer for Real Clear Markets, and I've seen him many times as a commentator on Fox Business News, your World with Neil Cavuto. So he wanted to come on the Strata, Strata podcast because it's going to elevate his brand a little more than it does <laughs> on Fox News. Um, but before founding XP, he was uh, in a merchant He was in merchant banking. He was also in telecom. But he did a lot in publishing all before that. Uh, at the San Francisco Chronicle, he was the assistant to the uh, to president of the newspaper division. He was a business reporter uh, for the Chronicle, the Bloomington Pentagraph, and the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. He also did work way back in his hometown of Bimington, Bim, Bimington which is hard to say, Binghamton. <laughs> Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin, where you did record and concert reviews. God, that's got to be something you've got to tell me about. Uh, but as a smart dude, he's also a graduate of the Stanford University Graduate School of Business. So that's a very rare, rarefied air, and the State University of New York. Now, check this out, everybody. Six kids, three dogs, two sets of goalie equipment, and one remarkable life. Quite a story, Mr. Maney. Uh, Dave, welcome to our podcast.
0: Thanks, Alan. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Uh, so, I want to get to know you a little, get our guest to know you a little, Bill. You're an American, you live in Canada. Hockey is a huge part of your life for you and your family, but that passion started in the States. So, tell me about how you became a hockey dude.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, professional hockey started in my hometown. In 1973, um, there was a, a a local businessman who was from Perry Sound, and uh, and he he was a very successful electrical contractor, and he had the idea of um, of founding a team in a in a nascent hockey league called the North American Hockey League, which actually was the basis for the movie Slapshot, because uh, which was the the Johnstown Jets had a player whose sister was the screenwriter for the for the movie and in fact they shot the uh the binghamton the the, the binghamton dusters star player a guy named rod bloomfield also from perry sound and uh a rod bloomfield was the body double the skating double for paul newman in the movie so the distance shots are are of rod bloomfield a temporary binghamtonian so that's where it got started and i um I played uh, actively what we would what in Canada would be called rep hockey in the U.S. they call it travel hockey, but um, uh, played that and played uh, you know didn't go a lot farther than high school hockey but um, kept playing stopped for about sixteen or seventeen years it got drawn back into it by a, a great Canadian friend and uh, and then it, it kind of lit my entire world on fire.
1: Okay, so now we got to get the other side of the story. Your wife's also a goalie. Yeah. Tell me about your kids' names. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> our son's name is Deke, uh, for the hockey, both for the hockey movement, for my favorite football player when I was a kid, who was Deacon Jones. Um, okay. And our daughter's name is Dryden, who is was, uh, you know, obviously named after Ken Dryden, one of the great, one of the great, certainly the greatest intellectual goalie of all time and a great canadian so um
1: uh yeah <laughs> so you're uh you you should have been born canadian you know that right yeah you know. yeah yeah i think i i i think i've uh I,
0: I think i'm as good of a canadian uh as you'll find in an american that's
1: fantastic well wow, that's fantastic great story uh because we always see uh all, your your family's always uh, at the hockey rink right you spend a lot of your time at the hockey always
0: rink. yeah our uh our, our our dryden uh deacon is a is a is an avid player and, and Dryden's turning out to be a very skillful one. So You're just like, did, apparently in our family, the, the boys are avid and the girls are good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're going to have three goalies and you couldn't have picked the more expensive uh, way to go, right? Three goalies. I know. Out of four? I'm, I'm
0: stacking up my assets here behind me. When they get when they retire, they go to my office. That's so funny.
1: That's cool. Excellent. Let's dive into some stuff. So I want to find, you know, I kind of went over your bio a little bit, but I want to understand the journey of your your career and any, any influences, any forks in the road that you had uh, before you, you you founded XP. So maybe just talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, well, um, the biggest influence on my work life was actually, uh, I'm one of the few people who has a mentor that's basically my age. Um, a, a classmate of mine, uh, a fellow named Dave Dodson was um, absolutely instrumental in my becoming an entrepreneur. He was, uh, he his dad was an entrepreneur. He knew from the start, that he wanted to do it and he had already gone out and successfully uh, acquired and built up and sold a company probably by the time we were 30 mm. and and then he was nothing but relentless encouragement to me to, to follow the same path and uh, including saying uh, I'll be your first investor and you know I think people who aren't entrepreneurs by nature who haven't seen it in their families need somebody they, they need a dave dodson and i wouldn't be who i am without him frankly wow
1: so tell me about the journey so you so so dave helped push you there what was the first thing you did that he, that you worked with
0: um my first company was i, I so i my pathway was that i i i, I was a very avid news guy from kind of a newsman my older brother Kevin is a fairly prominent technology journalist was USA Today's main technology columnist for I think almost 20 years and has written probably eight books all kind of about the technology um, industry Um, and and and, uh, uh, and so he got me the job at the Binghamton Press at my hometown newspaper as a as a as a rock concert reviewer, because the there was an erudite kind of um uh, uh, cultured, you know, arts editor who was in charge of the section who hated rock concerts. and he's like, I'm not going. I'm not covering them. so you know, they got me um and it was fun. I got tickets to all the concerts. I got to do I got free albums to review. and uh you know, I I did it for probably two years, built up kind of a little following. Funny story. Uh, I was just while I was back visiting my mom in Binghamton, New York, in my hometown. Um, I actually got a Facebook message with one of my clippings from like 1981 attached to it, and the guy was a guy I didn't know, and he said, uh, I, "I looked for you on here." He I, I just said, I, "This is the it was it was a concert review where I had just eviscerated Iron Maiden." i just said this is like the most horrible thing this is like getting your head caught in a vice and he just said i just want to tell you this is the funniest thing i've ever seen and i so my 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 reputation has hung around for, for 41 years i guess
1: iron maiden yeah well good good prediction on their success there uh mr Mani. <laughs> <laughs> you're better at business than that that's cool yeah uh, cool. So, um, talk to me about uh, let's let's talk about the news industry and the kind of how the demise of that industry has kind of helped you in terms of what you're doing at XP Press. And I want to dive into a little more to that. So, let's talk about the news industry model and what you've seen in the transition over the last, I guess, ten or fifteen years.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I mean. <clears throat> I, I I I wouldn't say it's in effect that it's helped us in the in the sense that it is it's not something we're rooting for. It is in, in in fact just kind of a an extraneous condition that we stepped in. I think the opportunity to help the news business is what created the the opportunity for the expert press. So I uh, as I said, I mean, so I had been a, a participant in the news business in first in 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 newspapers, then in in television news. Um, from the time I was in college, I worked at the NBC affiliate in my hometown throughout my uh, college years at the state university of New York. And, um, and, and I had decided that was what I wanted to do when I got out of business school. And so that's, went uh, which I went to work for the San Francisco Chronicle and, and was, was, uh, uh, they owned, uh, the Chronicle and a couple of smaller city newspapers in, in, in a few other States. And, Loved it. Loved the people. The people in the newsroom are like the best people in the world. They're funny and they're irreverent and they're skeptical and they're, you know, they're they're no nonsense. They're they're great. Um, and always have been, always in my experience. And I I love that camaraderie and that that, that action. And, you know, w- what the internet did was, was e- eviscerate it. You know, the the peak year for um newsroom employment in the United States, newspaper employment, newspaper newsroom employment was actually 2005 Mm. and the fall since then has been precipitous newsrooms have lost approximately 75% of their personnel newspapers and 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 there's no no sign of stopping it's not going to stop local newspapers are dying um, under the pressure and under the cutbacks and you know uh and 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 then the very nature of new what a publication is is changing um, but that, that phenomenon of, hey, we don't have money to pay for skilled reporters, what I saw happening uh, was that the, the most skilled, so when you cover a complex subject, right, like if you're, good, if you're the guy covering finance or healthcare or technology or science or public policy, these big complex topics, uh, you, the people who do it the best, not shockingly, are the most experienced. And the most experienced are generally the highest paid and the best ones are the highest paid. And so when you get a hedge fund, as the, 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 I think the largest single owner of newspapers in the US now is a hedge fund. And when the hedge fund comes in, they don't say, who's creating the great journalism here? I want to keep them. They say, who's the highest paid guy in the newsroom? Uh, you, you know, you're gone. Maybe there's a buyout, maybe there's not. But they they started and this this started now almost 20 years ago of you know, taking the highest paid people in the back and eliminating them. And, and you could see the coverage begin to degrade on those complex subjects. It's not that there's not still great journalism being done on those. It's that there's not as many journalists mm-hmm. who are of that caliber doing it because now only the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times can afford them where before there was one in Chicago and one in Dallas and, and, and one at the LA Times. And those, those days are assuredly gone where they had those deep deep experienced people who could who could provide context who could provide a sense of history who who had you know dealt with the 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 you know like when you had when you could see it in the reporting about covid where there were deep statistical questions and biases and a reporter a a reporter who had been covering public health for a long time would have understood those biases and been able to sort of pick them apart and say Oh, wait a second. What you had instead was a bunch of, you know, 28 year old journalists who had never seen anything about, you know, pandemic math or public health math. And they just went, oh, man, this is awful. Mm -hmm. And and so lacking that context, lacking that depth, lacking those math skills in some cases really meant that the coverage became very reaction, reactive, not reactionary, reactive, very Mm much more shallow and you could not get this sense of history you could not get this magnification of a complex point let me pull apart the way this works statistically or the way that this you know that 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 this crypto instrument in that that's causing so much trouble works i mean you have that you'd see it right now in this ftx story the story of the 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 bankrupt crypto exchange go ask the average canadian or american like tell me what ftx did and what went wrong no idea. no idea no idea and and it's and it's because it because the world's becoming ever more complex and we have stripped we we the collective economy the world technology has stripped those experienced resources out of newsrooms and that was the the opportunity that I saw was that at the same time you had this you know the, an economy that was powered increasingly by intellect and knowledge right it's a knowledge driven world we live in it's it's a, it's a, it's a skills driven world and 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 so what what you saw was that marketing was changing dramatically for people in knowledge driven industries right there, there was always harder to market intangibles mm-hmm. but as the entire economy became sort of more and more virtual less and less tangible then marketing what was up here became like the critical thing, right? Like, and how do you do that? How do you put knowledge on display? How do you show capabilities? How do you differentiate who you are or what you know or what you can do for somebody or your understanding of their problems mm-hmm. when all of that is ethereal? And and in effect, that need on the part of marketers of, of high knowledge, highly skilled, deeply uh technically kind of competent people in my opinion matched up beautifully with this 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 increasing sort of darth of resources in newsrooms and i just said if i can if i can take these these people with these competencies and i can in effect help them get out of their heads what's critical and help sort of groom it journalistically for consumption just showing what they know, not saying I'm wonderful, I'm great. Just kind of just demonstrating what they know through helping people understand the complex stories of the day became a match that I thought was very powerful and and led to the creation of the the founding of the company in 2013.
1: And so tell me about when you uh, brought these ideas to the, the newspapers, publishers, uh, how were they? Were they receptive at the beginning? So the you know the, the the like all
0: things, you kind of get a lucky break, and the lucky break I had was that you know an organization, Alan, where you and I met at, at the Young Presidents Organization. I had created uh, YPO, knowing I was like a media guy, had asked me in two thousand ten. It, uh, about t- to lead a project to create a, a, a partnership with a with a major international business news organization. That's what they handed me. Mm-hmm. Said, we want somebody who can kind of you know highlight the organization. We're going to start coming out of the, it's been a very quiet, non-public organization for most of its 50 years, and it started to say we'd like to be seen a little bit more. And I I worked for about six months and fashioned a partnership for them with CNBC. And the CNBC partnership led to CNBC covering some of them, broadcasting from some of their major events and also created a program for contributors. Um, and, and what happened was, um, well, what, what, what happened was that program struggled because it turns out there was a whole bunch of stuff that's needed to bridge the gap. <laughs> and, and so, and I couldn't get either side to fully embrace those fixes And in effect, that's almost what the expert press does, which is kind of, you know, which is is help an expert understand where they fit in and how their knowledge is relevant. How can on a given day, how can you optimize the value of a contribution? How can you contribute in a way that the world needs most, that your audience needs most, right? Because if I just say, hey, you're a great expert on cryptocurrency, you know, show up and, you know, stand on the mark and deliver, that's a hard thing to do. Like, how do I know what the world's looking for? How do I know if the same thing I'm about to tell you wasn't just covered yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, unless I was somehow monitoring every sort of piece. So our job is to uh, tell people where they're relevant, what form of content is needed, which publication needs it, um, and and then help them get it out of their heads and deliver it so that because they're, you know, my my true belief is that an expert with journalistic facilitation can create news content or news analysis content or commentary. That is, it's world-class if it's done right. It's absolutely world-class in the same way that, you know, if you want to know, we were talking about hockey before, if you want to know what it's like to stop a puck that's fired at you by, you know, Zdeno Chara at 105 miles an hour, a sports writer is going to have trouble explaining that Uh, a goalie, you know, uh, you, you go get Henrik Lundqvist and ask him what it was like to have it happen, he could tell you really well. He might not be able to write it down, but if you gave him a little bit of help in sort of, you know, transcripting what was in his head, the piece you'd have would be rich and deep and and and, and like something you
1: haven't seen before. I love it. it, it you've, you know, it's so great to have uh, jumped into an, an opportunity where there was a problem that both ends of the world need. The leaders need it the journalists need it, and, and the consumers need it at the end of the day, the product uh, that that is delivered. Walk, walk me through, you call it a platform, and you call it data-driven. Can you walk me through the metrics for both sides, for both the content provider, which you are the catalyst for, and the the, the newspapers or the publications? Walk me through that, please.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the good news is, as you just described it, it is it it is incredibly, it's exciting and gratifying and and economically, you know, very powerful to be standing at something where multiple sides have a problem, you know, multiple audiences, and you can you and, and it, it it's the exact opposite of a zero sum game, right? Like it's a thing where everybody can benefit if they just if you just kind of unclog the the you know the 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 the, the connections and and facilitate those connections. That's the good news. The bad news is it's wildly complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at, because you it, it, there are, you know, there's there there's there's a solid dozen factors, uh, all of which are data driven, which which affect that equation. So things like, you know, what is the motivation of the of the expert? The, the expert needs a motivation um because they, they've got you know, you, you you can't ask people out of charity to kind of you know com- keep doing this process. People need to show up for a reason, not to shill for themselves but by sharing they can kind of highlight what they're good at and and let their audience know hey if it comes to cryptocurrency like you know i know a lot mm-hmm. so so what they're trying to do who they need to kind of have see it and what sort of audience they want um uh you know what's going on in the news because being relevant means you know news is a change in somebody's environment that can either m- make them happier and make their life better or threaten their current situation if it Mm -hmm. doesn't make your life better or threaten you you as a reader don't care about it and if it's not related to something changing then it's not news Mm -hmm. so when you put those things together you know that means that as an expert you want to be commenting on the things that are that that dynamism you want to be where the action is and and again you as a as an expert you might be aware of it, but you might, you certainly aren't aware of the, the multiplicity of ways to think about it or cover it. So you you have this giant multivariate optimization problem. And not only do you have that, but you have things which in many cases had no data taxonomy beneath them. So, mm-hmm. so uh, if I said to, you know, it's like, um, I, I liken this to the thing about, you know, um the the the, you know the inuit have 20 words for snow where we just have snow but they've got one for corn you know this kind of snow and this temperature and the fluffy stuff is this word and but all we have is snow it it turns out that the exact same thing exists with with expert commentary and expert analysis there are you know we've identified 20 different forms of 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 expert content Mm -hmm. and each of the 20 does something different for the expert and different for the reader and different from the publication. I'll give you an example. Uh, coming out and giving your opinion about something where you feel strongly about a political issue or something doesn't do a lot for you as an expert. Probably makes enemies, makes you know, somebody, somebody disagrees with you or think, well I don't, I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. And yet that kind of that kind of uh, opinion or advice giving, is the most frequent kind of thought leadership, or it, it, it's 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 down here. On the other hand, if you're a uh, if you're a crypto, if you're a wealth manager and you want to deal with crypto assets, and you have kept a proprietary deep set of data about, or, or you've done analysis on publicly available data about crypto companies that, that you think makes your point, and you use that objective data and show it. You are performing an entirely more credible and 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 sort of richer service. That's probably adding something original to the public dialogue on it. So mm-hmm. those, you know, there there uh, there's a spectrum of, of of forms of content, and they they do very different things to 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 sort of more and less benefit to the expert. And so when you take all of those things and then go kind of try to figure out what the demand is from the publication side and know that what the way that CNBC wants a story presented is different than the way that, you know, this trade publication wants a story presented. And and if you want to be there, you got to show up and kind of deliver it the way they want it's a it becomes a, 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 a very sort of complex data equation, and we are driving that data deeper and deeper into the provision of the service.
1: Interesting. And I'm going to come back to this, but you've kind of prompted a conversation around media bias when you're talking to them, does that come up positioning, uh, you know, right, left, especially in America, is there any political realities that you have? Yeah, to look,
0: I, so I'll tell you this funny story. It was one of those kind of like, you know, some of the dumbest things I've done as, as a, as an entrepreneur, um, my uh, COO and my uh, head of the, the software Program uh, head came to me about a year ago and said, "Hey, there's a there's a there's a uh, an organization in the U.S. called Ad Fonts Media F O N T E S, and they said that they 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 do this media bias chart, and you you may have seen it on social media. It's a thing that places all the publications on a spectrum of left right and how factual versus how opinion driven they are, and kind of the the god." particle on the on the uh, on that chart is the Associated Press, which they which is the, the least biased and most fact based according to their analysis. And my guys came to me and said, hey, um, you know, we should have uh, ad fonts do an audit. We talked to them. They're willing to do an audit of a, 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 a random sample of our work because we think we want to see if it's got, you know, bias. And I was like, why would we do that? Like, we're not you know, we're not in the political business. I, I, I just don't get it. And they're like, well, you know, it's not going to cost that much. And come on, like, you know, and I, I, by the way, I was, they'll tell you, I was like a jerk about it. Like I, the guys, I, you're barking up the wrong tree. I don't get it. But I finally was like, they were, they persisted. With it. I finally like, okay, like do it. I, it, it's not worth anything. When the thing came back, I realized what it was worth. So on that same spectrum where it's, you know, fact-based opinion low, and then left, right politically, our stuff if the Associated Press is here, our stuff nestles in like right below it, almost completely apart from this left right bias and and with more opinion than The Associated Press, but but a lot less than you know than than uh, Mother Jones or you know or Alex Jones <laughs> and 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 at first I was like, I what is you know what's going on here? And then I thought about it. Business people, which makes up the bulk of our, our our customers, they don't want to be seen as bomb throwers, left or if they're showing up in the public square, they want to show up and deliver the facts. They wanna they wanna talk about things as they know that there's more opinion in it because analysis is a form of opinion, right? They gotta they're trying to make sense of something for you, but they're doing so in a in a fact-driven manner yeah. and adding context to facts without left, right. And I, when I when I saw that, I had to, I, I'm apologizing still a year later to my COO and the software head, but it, I actually think it is it, it is a wonderful addition to the media landscape because, in a certain way, people are bringing their own integrity and their own brand to the table and sort of saying, "Look, if I'm, I'm if I'm here on the stage, I, I better play it straight." And I I think that's a a terrific phenomenon. It's one of the things I'm proudest of.
1: You know, it's interesting too because if you think about it, it's actually uh, validating your model, uh, the independence, fact versus just opinion, and actually your fact and opinion together, which is really the highest form of of journalism, right? Yeah. So that's got to be a value add for the for both sides going. Look at us, where we fit. So great lesson learned, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and to your earlier question, it, that sensibility and you know sometimes that chart have have really changed the dynamic for us um, Mm -hmm. with publishers and 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 so they increasingly are and you know they're 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 unfortunately their their financial life's not getting any better and so you know we found there's a that there's real uh where where we had to work really hard in the early days to make the cnbc thing was the i had a friendly to start it with yeah. But opening other doors. And we've our our customers have been published in, I think, about 175 major publications and trade publications, but everything from the Wall Street Journal, the Barons down to, you know, dermatology practice management today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and everything in between. And that that though those were hard won battles that now are, you know, now they're kind of they're they they've built into trusted supplier relationships
1: and And do you see this? I mean, I want to talk a little bit about social media, and social media can be argued democratizes the ability to have opinion. Are you democratizing uh, a different way of journalism in in the way that you think about it, or is it more linear? i
0: I, I mean, I don't I, I don't. um I, I guess in a certain way, you know, expert news lives in a layer between the I can say whatever I want of 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 social media or of your website, you can say whatever you want on your website unless you're regulated and then you're you know you're bound only by that yeah. but, but there's no there's no governor on on what you say and I think that's that's one of its challenges, right I mean the the reason that Twitter is like a a frigging killing field of you know hate and 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 you know verbal battles is because people could say whatever they want and hide behind anonymity, right? Yeah. Expert news is bylined. You got it. you know, you got you own it. You know, don't say something you don't want to say. um but but know that this is a this is an elevated platform that's got real power and and that in some ways, you know the the journalistic brand that you're appearing on is at least vouching for the fact that you're you're not an idiot that you're that you're somebody who's, you know, has some expertise and some reputation. and and I. I I think that it's not it's not a replacement for journalism.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: is it is something different, and it's something that is 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 in, that I think that I think data and 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 connectivity and workflow management makes possible.
1: Yeah,
0: um, that wasn't possible. It just wasn't possible. Then when I started in you know in in newsrooms with giant you know clicky clacky terminals in in 1981, you could not have had this sort of interplay. And nobody would have been looking for it. Now it's it's it, now it's, it's time
1: is right. You know what's really cool is that if I go back to your your goalie story, your goalie analogy. You're out there finding those goalies and those athletes who were on and or are on the field. When journalism typically are, unless they came from the background, are typically journalists that have garnered expertise. So you know you really are. There is a democratization of that. It's expertise that you're pulling out of corporate America and corporate Canada and corporate world, if you will, and showcasing that for the benefit of everybody. So it's actually a, um, I think people have played around the idea of that, but you've really honed in on a a problem solution, which is really phenomenal. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's a, it's a good point. And, and, and I don't know, Alan, if you've seen a, uh, there, there's a, there still exists on the web a publication called the player's tribune, which got started about the same time we did. And the player's tribune is is in effect expert news for athletes. Okay. Um, their their challenge is I think they they actually had a, a business model that didn't work exactly right because um, they they sort of came off track and they fired their management team and they've 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 struggled a little bit a lot. But they're um, I think I think Derek Jeter was one of the co-founders actually kind of put up some of the money for it and used his name uh, on it in the, in its early days. And it's a if you some of the stuff that's on there. Is among the best sports, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't call it journalism. It's among the uh, best sports content I've ever seen, and mm-hmm. it is it is very much like our model of of, of 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 a you know of a of a journalistically assisted piece yeah. that's bylined by the athlete and and the insights that that are brought to the table you know are like nothing you've seen from from anywhere else.
1: Well, you you and I have, I'm sure, sat down with professional athletes over a beer and listened to the stories. And they those aren't the stories that make it into mainstream media. And they're yeah, wow, right? But some <laughs> for of for good mean, reason sometimes. <laughs> but, but you know, but what I guess what I'm really getting at is there's an underlying expertise and experience, right? That uh, can't happen unless you're in the game. And using the sports analogy is really interesting because. You know, when I was in IT security, I just never forget it. I wasn't an expert in IT security, but I was presented as one yep. <laughs> because I was the CEO. And so, but then I had to learn it to have the credibility and had the backing and so that you present yourself as an expert. It's really, you know, really, really an interesting thing. Um, what I'm curious about now is I, I'd like to, if you have a story and it could be customer side or uh, supplier side where they were skeptical as heck when you came to them. And then, after a piece or a couple of pieces came out, they went, "I see the light now, I appreciate it I trusted you and tell me about one or the other side is there a story that you could share with us
0: yeah I mean I see that happen a lot and it and what 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 happens is you know it, 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 it it's an interesting challenge I've started four companies <clears throat> one of them never quite got off the ground was it was a beautiful idea, but kind of too grand and too too big to pull off took too much capital <laughs> um which fortunately i never got off the ground or i would have lost people a billion dollars probably okay. um the the but but the um uh the the the, the beauty of our thing here is w- w- in this new category that we have of expert news uh, often it takes like an introduction of us to a CEO, somebody says these guys are doing something interesting. Dave's an interesting guy. His team's really interesting. Got a couple of Pulitzer Prize-winning editors on his staff. You should talk to them. And so what we see often is, you know, you come in and the 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 the, the comms department at the company's like, oh, I don't know what this is, and isn't this PR? And it's like, no, it's not PR. And it's and it's and they 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 struggle to wrap their heads around it. And then almost sometimes frequently out of the sense of either, you know, that CEO thing of I'll make a bet on this or I'll take a flyer on this, um, where they'll come and sign up and say, all right, let's give give it a try. And and we've seen our our biggest customers who are uh, a couple of financial services firms, a couple of major online, uh, higher education becomes a very important segment for us. So a a couple of major online um, uh, degree granting, you know, institutions are our big customers. Um, we've seen those big customers grow. So you you take, you get the flyer from the CEO and then it's like, hey, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, and then suddenly in some cases we've had, um, and this is a good problem for us, where, you know, uh, partners at professional services firms are battling a little bit saying, I I want one of those, you know, I want a, I want a voice for, for what I do. So yeah, it's, it's um, but I'll tell you, pioneering something really different is like, the hardest you know the the act of creation is really or realization of a creation is like the hardest thing i've ever done
1: well you know it, it's it then it, the validation becomes what you've done but you hadn't done it before so it's hard to it's kind of yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah tell me a little bit more in our uh last segment on uh you talked about colleges and universities what are they using it for how are they leveraging your platform for for their. Um,
0: So, you know, uh, higher education is kind of in some ways our most interesting segment because they come. um, It matters still how much kind of native uh, credibility you have when you show up at the newsroom. Right. So. So, um, you know, somebody, uh, you know, it would be a bigger challenge to have a used car dealer as an expert commentator than it would be to have a university president. You, you you know, when, when you think about expert news, I mean, where is there a larger repository of expertise and knowledge than at a university? So they come with credentials that make them that give them natural authority. Um, and then, again, there's just this like, like this roadmap of of insight across the university. So they're doing they're they're doing everything from you know, applicant recruitment, which is, hey, we want to showcase some of the knowledge and power and understanding of the landscape of higher education and why it's important and how to, you know, optimize your career choices and all those, how to get value for your money. They want to be seen as that. They want to be seen as consumer friendly to drive applications. They want to be seen as knowledgeable about the environment and in control, I think in part to appeal to parents to sort of say, hey, your, your, you know, your most important thing, your kid is safe with us. You know, we'll help launch them correctly into the world. Um, they use it for faculty recruitment to sort of say, "Hey, interesting stuff's going on here, and we want to bring the best faculty in." Um, they they use it for alumni development to say, you know, we want to highlight for our own alumni what great stuff is happening at the school because we want them to give, you know, we want them to be bigger donors. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, uh, you know, that's an interesting world that I've only become familiar with over the past few years at this level. And they they got a lot going on. You
1: know, it's interesting. So you're, you're discovering verticals as you go along. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Very yeah. much so. We're actually, in Strata Originals, we're finding the same kind of thing on our personal branding as we're finding saying, oh, professionals need this more. Or, you know, people who have kind of sold their business and are looking for what's next. And it's a discovery process as you talk to people and go, that's really cool. So it's really interesting that, we're paralleling those kind of discoveries as we move yeah. forward. That's really cool. Interesting. I have one last question for you, my friend. This has been awesome. And we've talked about the past and we've talked about the future. So if you had a time machine, would you want to go back or would you want to go forward?
0: Yeah, I would go back to about 1970. Uh, I'd go back to about 1971. Start playing hockey a few years earlier, and you know change the director. I, I'd have the kind of career you had, um, but certainly more than I went for. It's like a lot of guys, like a lot of you know I, I I obviously still play in the very highlight of my week, you know, playing, and i and you always kind of wonder what if it's look, it's Alan, it's funny. you know the 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 dreams and aspirations that I kind of left on the ice. By never kind of taking the right path or making the right choices, I'm I'm fortunate that I'll never say that about my business career. Like I did take the risks and I did do the work and I did, I did kind of you know go where I most aspired to be. And um, uh, I I while I may wish I had done it on the ice, I'm I'm thrilled that I did it in real life.
1: That's a beautiful way to end this, Dave. Thank you so much. This was a great learning. And uh, for for me, and I know for our audience, and I really appreciate you taking the time that you spent with us. Well,
0: thanks, Alan. It was a lot of fun. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes.